No my hearty Mikey Dan Hawk and welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you today. The Fair Pay Agreements Bill passed its third reading in Parliament, 76 votes to 43. Now, we talked to an employment lawyer who just happens to be discussing this bill at a conference today. So, all you need to know, and if you have a question about it, get in touch. Also this afternoon, what does the future hold for New Zealand's relationship with China as President Xi solidifies his grip on power? We discussed that today as well. And if you have... The unfortunate event of, say, a fire or a flood and destroys your home, are you confident that you'll be able to rebuild and have enough to buy another home? Because under-insurance is quite an issue at the moment. Also, two people attempting to cross the uh, Tongariro Alpine Crossing had to call a rescue helicopter over the weekend after becoming exhausted. So what should you keep in mind before hitting the track? Have you ever had to be rescued or had any close calls? I can recall crossing a river at the top of Lake Rotuiti and my legs went numb, had to be dragged out. Text me, 2101, email the panel at rnz.co. .nz. With us today, freelance journalist Sally Wenley. Kia ora, Sally. Good to have you on the programme. Kia ora, Wallace. Ah, loud and clear, beautiful. And Michael Moynihan, General Manager of Computer Recycling, former Chair of Creative NZ. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Ah, kia ora, Wallace. Thank you for your welcome. Now, to this. Here is a topic that seems tailor-made for the panel. What makes a great footpath? Are we talking about the cute cobblestone footpath of a village or a wide boulevard encompassing those on foot and more. A footpath can excite passion about their footpath. Uh, a, a footpath can, sorry, a person can be excited about footpaths. For example, take Michelle Bogue on the panel back in 2020. Her view was that our footpaths were way too big. You don't need a 12 metre footpath, you don't have to stick road cones all the way down the road, you don't have to reduce traffic to one lane to give pedestrians 12 metres Do you know it's 12 metres? getting ridiculous 12 metre footpaths on a street where there's barely any pedestrians well, Fatima Amanpour has raised the issue of footpaths in the conversation. Dr. Fatima Amanpour is Associate Lecturer at the School of Built Environment at the University of New South Wales in Sydney. Uh, Dr. Amanpour, kia ora. Welcome to the panel in New Zealand. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, and you ask the question, don't you, what makes a great footpath? You just heard a panellist there. I mean, this must be quite a pressing issue for any urban planner anywhere, yet it's something that we really take for granted, don't we, a footpath? Yes, we do, actually. Uh, we need to design footpaths that are safe enough, uh, people um, feel comfortable on them, and they are attractive um, for the um, weekly or daily traffic, uh, sorry, daily uh, um, walking trip. Mm. Do people see value in walkability? Yes, they do, uh, because walkability is actually a, a broader topic um, which discusses how well-connected the streets are to each other, how of a, a variety of available routes for daily trips, you know, how densely, densely dwellings are built and amenities are distributed. Um, so if you want to go for a walk 
um, around our block? Uh, do we have any parks or train stations or cafes or shops within a walking distance? Uh, so this will encourage us to go out there and have a walking trip, which would be nice every day. Yeah, we've got a panel with us, Fatima. They might have uh, some questions about uh, footpaths, the developments in footpaths, what they see uh, of value in uh, footpaths. Sally Winley. Hello. Okay. Yes, and it's not, not just about walkability. It's about yeah. wheelability too because I use a wheelchair and I'm um, totally independent and get around well. However, yes, there are some footpaths that I avoid and the big one for me is if they're sloped slightly downwards, then really? I, I feel uneven. And um, tree roots, that's mm. the bane of my life. Mm. Sometimes I end up on the pavement if I'm not looking where I'm going. And with COVID and the situation, lack of um, maintenance, it's turning into a bigger issue. And um, as your speaker, your guest said, it does affect where I go. Interesting to Fatima, before we get to, back to Fatima, some, there are some shocking examples around RNZ, not RNZ, but down Hobson Street, huh? those tree roots really coming through, Sally. Yes, definitely. Yep. And going downhill and when it's getting a little bit dark and all those roots, it is actually quite dangerous. And it's it's obviously people yeah. with prams as well and older yes. people and somebody who might have broken their leg or, or just anybody. And let's be honest, those who might be a little bit little bit tiddly after those work mm. drinks. So it's the whole population. Fatima? Yes, I agree with all of them, actually. We acknowledge these, you know, the existence of uh, obstacles such as tree roots or short poles on the, on the footpath. Um, uh, or we can have um, uh, barks running on the footpath, uh, which, uh, which makes this, um, uh, the footpath the a bit crowded for other people, especially if they are on wheelchair. Or even the furniture layout um, around the cafes, uh, which takes the space uh, from people, or even um, uh, people who are uh, walking with their uh, dogs. Um, so they take space. So we need to make sure that the footpath is wide enough to accommodate all these types of activities. Wide enough to accommodate all, Michael. How do you read this issue? But clearly not 12 metres wide, apparently. <laughs> 12 metres? Oh, no. Was she sure that it was 12 metres? That's a lot, that's I, a lot I, of distance. I, I asked her, David Cormack was on the panel as well, and I asked, did you measure, did you measure it? And she said, yes, I did measure did it. I, the, the jury's out with yeah, 12, 12 metres, metres, Michael. Uh, so I'm a, 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 my biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I do on, on footpaths is walk the dock. So the walking of the dog is important. There's an aesthetic which means the dog needs to be able to stray into something like a little bit of grass or something that allows it to do what it needs to do as it goes along, and it needs to be relatively even. Um, is The question I guess I've got is around uh, refurbishment and new f- footpaths. So I get new footpaths, yeah. and they must be, you know, you can lay them out in the way. But actually in our neighbourhood, which is quite old, um, the question is complete lack of evenness because yeah. they get this little bit gets refurbished and then nothing happens and then a bit more gets done and the, I guess they move tree roots or something else happens and as a result of it, it's completely ups and downs and all over the place. And I, uh, do you think that cities are taking seriously enough um, the, the notion that refurbishment is also... Uh, part of that process. Yeah, Fatima? 
I think we, um, with all the rain that we got during the past uh, year, it's it's a very um, uh, significant issue with them on evenness of the pathways. You know, but they need more maintenance probably. And um, yeah, councils should take it more seriously because it's not just um, um, uh, able younger people walking on the streets. Um, uh, People with some visual impairment, they are also walking on the street and they can easily trip over uh, those obstacles and uneven surfaces. Yeah, a bit of response from this, but uh, there are too many bikes on footpaths these days, is this person's view. They need to give pedestrians 1.5 metres clearance like cars. Uh, we only have one side of the road with a narrow footpath and cars are always parking along it. Woefully inadequate and dangerous for kids, wheelchairs and mums pushing prams. And here's one uh, panel and uh, Dr Armanpour. Leslie says... I, like many of the ones in Europe, which are wide, and guess what? They have a dividing line down the centre. Mm. One for, really? One for pedestrians and the other side for bicycle, bicycles, etc. Um, well, we, can Sally? I interrupt, Wallace? Yeah, sure. We, we have that going down the side of um, the road that goes just down around the Harbour Bridge in Auckland, and there's oh. a side for pedestrians and a side for bikes. But the issue is there's lots of people walking dogs, there's lots of people on bikes, and there is scooters, which are sometimes the bane of my life on the pavement. So um, I don't know if we need to be that dictatorial in New Zealand because it's a bit mishmash and say where you should be. And where should I go in my wheelchair in the middle? I I think the answer is 12 metre wide footpaths, I think. (laughs) Make them 15 metres wide. You see, Michelle Boak solved it two years ago. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Amanpour, thank you very much for being with us in New Zealand here on the panel. Thank you for having me. That is uh, Dr. Fatima Amanpour, uh, who is at the School of Built Environment. Very interesting article, actually, in the conversation about, uh, well, uh, footpaths. Yeah. I must say, I do like some of the new developments, you know, the street furniture and the tussocks, yeah, yeah, Michael. Yeah. The grasses, oh, very look, nice. Uh, all that, all that tussocky stuff that's going out to the airport, you know, on the site, you know, mm. it really does look very us, and it looks very smart, I think. Yeah. All right, your view is most welcome on footpaths, 2101. Uh, and uh, you, you know the deal here. We love you uh, being part of the show here. All right, time for I've Been Thinking. Sally Winley, take it away. I've been thinking about mainstream journalists, print um, or television ones, who do the daily news as such. And I feel that they're creeping more into the editorial and columns and opinion pieces, but they don't stipulate what they are. And it's annoying me a lot because I see a daily journalist's role as to um, research, investigate and interview people to make them the story, not for them to talk about themselves. And I, I don't really want to hear about them becoming, you know, the first parent in the world or becoming unwell or, you know, riding a bike or having a holiday or something like that. And I want them to please stick to their knitting and investigate and speak to real people and not put their own editorial bits in it. And the same goes for the alleged TV news programs. The news readers and the people doing live crosses, my understanding is they're meant to be reporting on the news, not commenting or adding comments, which are sometimes I think are quite patronising. Maybe I'm being old-fashioned, 
But if they're going to slip into editorial, why don't they do talk back? Or please say that they are a columnist. Be a bit more oh. um, upfront. The lines are being blurred and it's worrying me. No, you'll get a big response from this, Sally. People are quite passionate about this issue, actually. Um, uh, whether whether, whether uh, it needs to be uh, clearly signposted as opinion and whether journalists should or should not stick to their knitting, and that is um, giving us journalism. Text me, 2101. Uh, yeah, we'll have a response on that. Michael Moynihan, I've been thinking. Um, I agree with you, by the way. Um, uh, what I've been thinking, watching this schmozzle going on in the UK at the moment, is that actually we are pretty lucky and well-served by a stable, consistent government, and regardless of your political hue, you'd have to say that most people in politics, in this country, largely had their hearts in the right place and the right kind of intentions. So on the one hand, I'm really grateful for that. The other hand, on the other side of it, I, I think about, say, for example, health. And I look at the kind of what I feel as an outsider is the enormity of trying to fix this thing and the politics that go into the uh, what should we do and what should it look like and what should the outcome be. Wouldn't health be a really good place for us to say, let's build a non-partisan, let's build a consensus view that says across politics, this is what we believe New Zealanders want from their health system, and this is how we're going to uh, develop training, this is how we're going to fund hospitals, this is how we're going to... So that we actually get something which feels like a joined-up, everybody's in this together, because I don't think that something like health is actually a political issue. I can see how you might put law and order or you know, other defence spending or a range of other things on the table from a political position. Consensus politics. But some, well, p particularly in key areas like ah. health, education's another one, but certainly with health, if we could actually say, let's stop any energy being spent on squabbling and put all of that into making sure Middlemore is the best hospital. Do you find it maddening? Do you find the politicking a bit maddening? It sounds like you do. About some of these areas I do. Uh, they're very good. All right, lots to discuss. Also, Phil Goff, he's off. He's a high commissioner. We, did, we talked to Phil Goff this afternoon as well. Sally Winley and Michael Moynihan with me today. A lot to talk about. Please join us.